You know, uh, several years ago when I was pastoring in South Korea, uh, we did quite a few uh, mission trips, you know, short-term trips, and I led them also throughout the years um, quite a bit. And uh, one time I was uh, preparing to go to Thailand, and so I'm in this taxi heading to the airport to catch my flight. And while I'm there, uh, what was really cool is uh, the Korean taxi driver, you know, he had a cross under his uh, rearview mirror. He had, you know, pictures of, you know, Jesus and all this, you know, stuff that clearly made it clear that he was a believer. And what was also interesting is, um, you know, he started to witness to me, you know, obviously not knowing that I was a pastor. And so I really appreciated it. And so afterwards, you know, I was able to tell him, you know, I'm actually a pastor. And he was so overjoyed. And, you know, as uh, we're talking, you know, we're driving through the streets of Korea. And if you've ever been to Korea, you know that there are a lot of churches all throughout that land. In fact, at nighttime, the city is aglow with red uh, crosses uh, lit up that just covers over that nation. And it is a sign and a testimony of how vast the gospel has really penetrated throughout that nation. So again, I was so thankful, you know, as he let me off of uh, the taxi as I was walking through the airport. I, I was just left with a deep sense of appreciation that the gospel reached Korea in such an extent. And so I get on the plane, I... Uh, head to Thailand, and then once I la land in Thailand, I get on another taxi uh, to take me to uh, where I was staying. And the taxi driver there uh, had pictures of Buddha and prayer beads and all of these things that clearly showed that he was a Buddhist. And for me, it was such a stark contrast because I do know that at one time, many years ago, uh, South Korea was predominantly a Buddhist country like Thailand. And uh, as it hit me, um, it again left me with a profound sense of appreciation for what the gospel has done to impact Korea. And it led me to pray more uh, that what God did in Korea would happen in Thailand as well. And so as I started to do a prayer walk, one of the things that the taxi driver told me was, you know, within the the small community that I was at, there was over 700 Buddhist temples. And so after I unloaded my stuff in my room and I took a prayer walk outside, I started to pray that every one of these temples would be transformed one day into a church that would know and love Jesus Christ as well. It can't happen. It happened in Korea. It could happen in Thailand. It can happen in other parts of the world as well. So as I go from one city to another, one country to another, a common comment I will often hear is, hey, Korean missionaries are everywhere. And they'll ask, uh, Pastor Eddie, do you know Missionary Kim? And I'd be like, um, I know about 100 Missionary Kims. You know? And again, that also is a testimony of God's grace over Korea. Faithful believers brought the gospel to Korea, a nation once filled only with Buddhist temples, um, and by God's grace, Korea has responded and became a nation that knows Christ and has become a force for global missions as well. You know, a big reason why I'm a believer today is my family heard the gospel. Uh, and um, that was through uh, missionaries that were sent to this Buddhist country many years ago. Uh, Christians from America, Australia, the UK, 
Christians who wanted to complete the great commission of Jesus Christ. You know, but there are still many people groups around the world who do not know the name of Jesus Christ. Some who have never even heard of his name, some who have never encountered a believer, some who do not even have a local church in their community. So the question we must ask ourselves as believers in this generation is what will it take for us as a church to finish the mission that Jesus has given to us? You know, the Joshua Project uh, is a group that studies the unreached people groups around the world, and they have revealed that of the approximately over 17,000 people groups in this world, there are still approximately 7,000 people groups who are unreached or who have never had an opportunity to come across the gospel or a believer. So that's basically about 3 billion people of this 7.6 billion planets that have never heard or have access to be able to hear the gospel. So how are we going to complete the commission that Jesus has given us to do? That is an important question that we need to ask as followers of Jesus. He gave us a specific task, bring the gospel to the whole world. We need to also ask, how are we doing with obeying that command? And so, uh, as your church is going through this missions month, which is awesome, I celebrate and honor churches for highlighting and focusing on this important task, we do need to ask ourselves, how will we finish this mission? And there are a few important things that I want to highlight today that will help us focus our lives, our ministry, to be aligned with this important priority for the church. So first of all, in order to complete the commission of Christ, we need a people committed to intimacy with God. We need a people committed to intimacy with God. Uh, Look at Matthew 22, uh, verse 37 and following. And he says this, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your hearts, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So to love Jesus with everything, that is the greatest thing that we could do in our lives. To love God with all of our family, with our marriage, with our work, with our vocation, with our schooling. To be able to, with all facets of of our lives, to give this to God as an offering, say, God, I want to love you with my life. With all that you've given to me, I want to love you back. After this, the greatest thing that we could do is to love our neighbor and others as ourselves. So everything God desires from his people is an overflow of these two commandments. So the great commandment to love God with all that we have is the only way for the great commission to be possible. Because before we are called to go, we are called to come. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. And that is our calling every day. To come to him, to abide in him, to rest in him, to enjoy him. Why did Jesus select his 12 disciples? 
We see in Mark 3.14, he says, And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. And he might send them out to preach. So being with him is priority. Before being sent out on his behalf. So presence comes before preaching. Worship before working. Sitting before serving enjoying before educating, and loving before leading. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, and 10, it says, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So one of the reasons why Jesus died for us was so that we might live with him, be with him, walk with him in close fellowship and intimacy each day of our lives. Jesus loves you and he wants to spend time with you each day. This is not to be a burden, but a blessing that we get to spend time each day in the presence of almighty living God who rules and reigns. The creator of everything has invited us in close fellowship with him each day. That is why he died. So deep daily enjoyment of God, drinking from the river that flows from the throne of heaven is how missionaries are born. And that is how missionaries are sustained. You know, some of the places that uh, I've been fortunate enough to visit and partner with, with many friends who are missionaries all, all around the world, some of them are quite challenging. One place in particular that I went to was Guinea, Africa, in the western part of Africa. And that probably both physically and spiritually was one of the most challenging places to be. Um, it is one of the poorest countries in the world. And before, the, before France gave Guinea back their independence, they destroyed all the infrastructure of the land. So a lot of signs of poverty and the roads are horrendous. Um, so many things are just a discomfort when you go there. Uh, summers are very hot and humid. It's a very heavily populated Muslim country uh, with the prayers going on. And so when you go there and it's clear that you are a foreigner, you get bombarded with uh, the, obviously the street people asking for money and people who know you're a foreigner. It's just stressful, right? Uh, that's the best way that I could describe it. And so um, I remember that we were also, right before we left to go back to the airport, we went to a beach. Uh, it was supposed to be a relaxing time, but also we were surrounded by about 50 people who uh, were very aggressive towards us. And I remember uh, my team and I were just thinking, I can't wait to just go back home. I just want to go down to the airport and just leave. Um, and, but right before I left, I remember asking my friends who were stationed there for long term, I was like, man, how do you guys do it? It is such a stressful place to be. How do you guys do this? And I remember what they said. He said, the only way we can do this, this couple, husband and wife couple, so they said, the only way we could do this each day is to keep our eyes on Jesus. His word strengthens us each day. His presence in prayer is the way that we experience peace despite the stress. Lifting up his name in praise each day releases joy back into our hearts and is a reminder of why we are here. You see, people who have fallen in love with Jesus can go anywhere he leads. 
The more time you spend with Jesus, the more you fall in love with him because of how great he is, because of how wonderful his love is. And throughout the Psalms, it declares how great is his love, how great is your love, how great is your love for us. His love becomes our song. His love becomes our strength. A love that saves us from our sin, but also a love that forgives us from all your sin, from all your shame, from all your guilt. He receives you, and he wants to spend time with you. He is not angry and disappointed. He is a God who is a father that loves his children and desires so much to embrace you each day. You see, love must be the highest motive of service to last through suffering. Our ultimate motive is not because of need, that there's a great need. That is true. But our motive is not out of guilt. Our motive is out of love. Because we love Jesus and Jesus loves and died for the world that we want to please the one that we love so much because he has loved us so much. So because we love Jesus, he loves the nations. Our desire is to give him what he desires. You see, that is the only way this mission can be completed. Through lovers who are committed to intimacy with God. I don't know where you are spiritually right now. I think maybe some of you in the midst of the craziness of this pandemic, because of the stress of being at home or the stress of what's going on with work, or maybe some of you guys have lost your jobs because of this situation economically. There are a lot of reasons for stress. But what we need to also be reminded of is that God is calling you to bring all your stress, all your burdens to him and let your heart be filled with his peace. Trade your stress with his peace and allow him to begin releasing the joys, the delights of his heart to seep into your hearts. So that is the first thing that we need to understand, that we need to be a people committed to intimacy. A second thing that we need in order to finish the mission that Christ has given us is we need a people committed to intercession. We need a people committed to intercession. You see, love for God leads to prayer to God. Intercession is where love for God and love for others meets together. Prayer brings us into his presence. We commune with him. We love him. And intercession is when we bring the needs of others into heaven's throne room. And we see this connection between love and prayer in Matthew chapter 9 as well. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 and following. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So there is a connection here with lo the love that Jesus has for the lost 
and the sending out of workers and prayer. It says he had compassion on them. He saw their needs. He ministered through missions, and then he asks for prayer. You see, prayers are vital and powerful in bringing freedom to the nations. Prayers can change and soften the spiritual condition of hearts and of cities. And what's interesting here is when Jesus says, you know, look at the look at this situation here. The harvest is plentiful. So many people need Jesus. They need to know the gospel. The laborers are few, so few people to bring them the message. Therefore, what does he say? He doesn't say, therefore, hurry up, Peter, John, hurry up, just go, go, go. There's so much needs. Come on. He doesn't say that. He says, there's so much need. There's so few workers. Therefore, pray. Begin with prayer. Intercede to the heart of the Father so that you gain his heart. Intercede that God will send forth laborers into the labor harvest fields. He's revealing that there is an important role that prayer plays in global missions. You see, things happen that would not have happened if we did not pray. Prayer is the means by which God releases his kingdom and his will to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. That's why James tells us, you don't have because you don't ask. And so we must be faithful in interceding that all the nations would receive the gospel, that God would raise up lovers of Jesus, people committed to intimacy with God to go to the places with the gospel as well. Prayers serve a vital part of global missions. Prayers can change hearts. Prayers can change the spiritual condition of a land. So the more we pray, the more things will change. You will change. Your heart will change. The people you are praying for will change. Their hearts will change. And cities and nations will change. And God is calling us to pray for the nations in this hour and this nation. With all the turmoil and stress and division that this past election cycle has brought, we need to be committed to praying for this nation and for all the nations that are going to be impacted by this election as well. You see, prayer has the power to bring change because prayer brings forth the presence of God and releases the power of God, accomplishing the purposes of God. Prayer is what opens the doorway of heaven to be released upon our world, God's will. His good, perfect, and pleasing will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That is a powerful prayer. We must pray. And we need more kingdom workers being prayed for. We need more kingdom prayers being prayed for. People who will say, God, release your church in the nations. Release your church to the nations. Release your power, your justice, your righteousness on earth as it is in heaven. You see, we need a people not just committed to prayer, but we need to begin learning how to live in prayer. Make prayer your home. We need to make prayer our home where we dwell frequently, daily, 
praying with your eyes open, praying prayers of blessing, covering over your marriage, your family, your neighbors, your community, your church, your missionaries. That is how prayer and missions go together. We come before him to get our assignments in prayer from our commander-in-chief. And then we go forth in prayer with the gospel. You see, it's not surprising that many strong mission-sending nations in Asia and South America, they are also strong in prayer because missions and prayer go together. There is a connection with our prayers and the effectiveness of missions work. That is why Paul often asks for prayers for his missionary work that he's been doing. Look at 2 Thessalonians 3.1. It says, Finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Paul knows that prayer prepares the way for hearts to receive the gospel and makes his work more fruitful. Therefore, all nations church, it's in your name. Pray for the nations to receive the gospel. Pray for workers to be sent forth throughout the nations. Pray through books and websites like Operation World, Global Prayer Digest, and the Joshua Project. Pray for the persecuted church, and things will change in the spiritual realm of the countries around the world as we pray for them. You see, intimacy with God leads to loving God, which leads to a life of prayer before God, which leads to a life of missions in its various forms. True love leads to prayer. You know, there was a time when uh, people thought that no one would be able to penetrate the former Soviet Union. I know of prayer teams that went inside that thick communist block and simply did prayer walking for many, many years. And one day, those walls crumbled down. The same with East and West Germany. Prayer teams went in before the walls came down. And the same is true that has been happening for North Korea for many years. I know of many people who have been going there to simply sow seeds of prayer and bless that nation. And I believe that one day soon, we will also see that nation also open and healed with the gospel. Prayer paves the way for the power of God to break through. Political powers bow to the name of Jesus. Every president, prime minister, and dictator are under the sovereign hand of God. That is why as believers, we do not grow anxious like the rest of the world does. We know that our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a savior from there the lord and savior jesus christ that is our kingdom that is our primary citizenship and that is how citizens of that kingdom operate our priority is the kingdom of god and our king who reigns over all the nations of this earth what god is waiting for is more prayers to be prayed so that his power and presence can be unleashed upon the nations. So for us to finish the mission, we must be a people of prayer. I provided some resources for you, uh, prayer resources connected to missions in your outline. You could look at them again. Again, Joshua Project, Operation World, Praying for a Missionary. These are all great tools that can help increase the effectiveness of your praying strategically for the completion of the Great Commission. 
Prayer paves the way for the power of the gospel to come through. And finally, a third thing that we want to look at today. In order for us to finish the mission, we need a people committed to eternal investments. We need a people committed to eternal investments. You know, a basic principle of investment is to think long-term, right? Don't freak out about short-term challenges and the ups and downs of when you're investing. You need to think long-term. That's wise investment. But for the people of God, we too need to think long-term in terms of how we live. Long-term as in eternity. How does my life decisions, my investments, my resources today how will they impact? Now, I'm just not just talking about 10, 20-year investment windows. I'm talking about eternal investment windows into the kingdom and purposes of God. You see, what we do today with our time, our wealth, our influence, that will impact lives for eternity. That is what this missions month is about. It is about putting the priority of global missions and the completion of the Great Commission back on the radar of our lives so that as we allocate our time, our praying, our giving, we will make sure that global missions and the completion of that commission is regularly a part of our life investments. That is what this month is about. Matthew 24, 14 reminds us, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. What is this saying? It's saying that the return of Jesus Christ is connected to the completion of the Great Commission. So the aim is bringing this gospel to every nation and peoples who do not know Jesus. Why? So that the end will come, Jesus returns, and we go home to be with him. Full circle. We are with him. The motive, the means, and the goal is to be with Jesus. It is out of a love for Jesus. So we must strategically move forward in the work of missions. And the greatest strategy is sending someone who is deeply in love with Jesus. You see, in a physical war, they're developing robots, drones, aircrafts, and other technologies to replace people. But in this spiritual war for souls that we are in in our day, nothing can take the place of a person who deeply loves Jesus. But obviously, because of COVID, a lot of things, travel is restrictive for us in this season, but that doesn't stop the purpose of God for a people and a church committed to giving, praying, investing strategically, supporting those who are already on the field with a greater force of prayer, with greater blessings of financial resources. So we need to realign things depending on how God leads us and we are in a very unique season, but it does not mean that global missions is no longer a priority. Two windows to be aware of that you need to uh, be continually reminded of as you pray and strategically plan for global missions. Two windows to be aware of is the 1040 window and the 414 window. The 1040 window represents the Countries around the world, 10 degrees north of the equator to 40 degrees north of the equator from Africa throughout Asia. Those countries in that window are where the least reached, the least known uh, believers are 
And those are countries predominantly um, that are Buddhist, Muslim, um, and uh, all the other religions that have yet to know Christ. And so that window is an important one to strategically pray and plan your church's engagement in. The other window is 414. That represents the ages of 4 and 14. Studies have found that the age between 4 and 14 are when children are most open to the gospel. And so when we've church planted and done missions work, uh, wanting to complete the Great Commission, we target the uh, 1040 window, and we begin with projects targeting the 414 window so that the seeds of the gospel can be the most effectively planted. So we need to be a people to, do, uh, to go to these places and to be a church that strategizes effectively so that we are stewarding our resources wisely. You know, I know of one, uh, one brother who went to a missions conference and heard these same stats, and what he did is like he knew he was called to be a a career lifelong missionary. And so what he did is he went to uh, Joshua Project and they list the names of all the unreached people groups and he wanted to find who's number one on that list, who is the least people group in this world. And so he went, saw that and he decided this is where I will go for my life missions work. And that's a testimony of a lover of God who desires so much to please the heart of God because he loves the heart of God so much. That is a lover of Jesus in action. And if that's you, I want to encourage you again, go to Joshua Project, see that list, and as a small group, as a family, pray through that list of unreached people groups. Nothing can quite take the place of people going, serving, loving the people. But, again, in these unprecedented times, we need to understand that we still have an important role to play. Though we may not be able to go for a season, we can still send and release and support and strengthen global missions efforts. You know that your giving and going and supporting and sending will be a wise, eternal investment. But we don't only want to think of missions as going over there, but here as well. Because the Christian presence is meant to bring change to our community. Realize that God is bringing the nations to our neighborhoods as well. I want to encourage you to begin building relationships with your neighbors, uh, with immigrants, with vulnerable groups, undocumented people within our community. Begin being Christ to them. We want to be more missional loving and kind to our neighbors. To finish the mission, we need to be able to pour out our lives as a living sacrifice to them. To pour out our prayers on behalf of the lost and to pour out our finances and to give generously to missions work. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 reminds us, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. We are blessed a lot and we are blessed to be a blessing. You know, I used to preach on missions by stressing the need, and that's important too. But we do need to see that there is a great need, that the harvest is plentiful, but that's not the primary anymore for me. We need to keep our focus on the Savior whose heart is one of compassion for the lost, who will be declared to the world and the nations, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Look, there's a Savior who loves you, who died for you. Behold the precious Lamb of God who takes away 
our sins. Pray for eyes to see the beauty of Christ and his cross. Pray for a heart that declares nothing compares to the beautiful name of Jesus. A heart that knows that our sin is great, but his grace is greater. A heart that knows that because of the cross, now nothing can separate us from his love. There's power in the name of Jesus because there is no other name by which one can be saved. You see, one day every knee will bow from all nations and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord over all. You know, one of my favorite quotes on missions comes from John Piper in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, and he says this, Missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions, because God is ultimate, not man. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their faces before the throne of God, missions will be no more. It is a temporary necessity, but worship abides forever. What will it take to finish the mission? Thankful, worshipful lovers of Jesus. May we see more lovers of Christ rise up to pray for, send people to, and go to the nations of this world. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love for us that pursued us while we were lost. That in your grace, you opened up the eyes of our hearts that we would finally be able to see our sin and our need for a Savior. And we thank you that the gospel was sent through various means into our lives that we might know you today. And for many of us who are raised in Korean families, thank you that the gospel was reached to Korea many years ago so that we might know Jesus who came to die for our sins. And instead of just being thankful, God, let us be thankful, worshipful, and obedient to make sure that we now, who have been passed the baton of the gospel, would be faithful to pass that baton to others. And God, I want to bless this church, this all-nations church. I thank you for its name, that it reflects your heart for the nations. I pray that they would also receive more of your heart for the lost and for this world. Burden us with a holy burden. And God, use them with their blessings, their resources to be invested generously to the nations that they would be known as a church that encourages and strengthens and supports the mission's work being done around the world. And I also pray, God, that you would allow hearts to be open enough to say, God, if you want me to also one day go to the nations, short-term, medium-term, long-term, whatever it looks like, I pray for hearts of availability that we, here we are, Lord, Send us, use us to finish the mission in our lifetime. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.